everybody welcome to the true crime squad i'm christy brower and i am here by myself because katie is at a party no less it was an important party to go to so i am here all alone tonight but i've got all the updates for you i do want to remind you that tonight at 8 15 p.m mountain so shortly after this show is our watch party so if you are a member of our youtube channel you get to join us for our watch party. We're watching uh, Cold Case Files, Season 2, uh, Episode Devil something. Let me look. I thought I had it memorized. I guess I don't. Uh, but I wanted to make sure you all know that in case you are planning to tune in afterward. If you want to join our uh, membership on YouTube, you can on our home screen. Um there's a, on the homepage of our YouTube channel, there's a place where you can click to join um, and become a member. And then you get to attend our our uh, monthly watch party. And we just pick a, a true crime documentary of some sort and watch it together. And you watch it on your own TV. It's It'll be on Netflix. We tried to pick a streaming service lots of people have. Um, you'll watch on your own TV, but I will be live with the chat open so we can just chat and talk about what we're watching. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So it is on Netflix, Cold Case Files, Season 2, Devil in Disguise. So join us for that uh, after this show. We're going to have a lot of fun. I, I think it's really fun to just, it is the $4.99 one. There shouldn't even be a 99 cent one. Are you guys still seeing it? Dang it. YouTube. I've been trying to work on that, but it's the $4.99 uh, level. And with that, you get to get to come to the watch party. It's a lot of fun. That being said, um, wow, there's a lot going on. I know I say that a lot, but it is really true. I'm going to start with Carly Russell. And here's what I'm going to say about Carly Russell. Not really anything. We all know that um, her parents spoke yesterday. The police spoke today. Very different accounts of what's going on here. I still think we do not know the whole story. And I am seeing this poor girl's face plastered across the internet everywhere. And I just don't know what's going wrong here, but something is. And so I'm going to withhold my statements um, about her and about what's going on. If there is something constructive to talk about, then we will do that. But ultimate goal was that she would come home safely, and she did. Beyond that, if she committed a crime, she'll have to deal with that. But if she didn't, or if she was having some kind of a psychotic break, some kind of a mental health episode, what she needs is privacy and help from her family. And so I'm just going to leave it at that. I just feel like there's too much chatter about her. And, and I can't imagine being her and still being in this position and, you know, having the whole world talking about her. I, I just can't. So I'm not going to. So we'll, we'll just see what happens. Uh, so there is still a 99 cent option available. I swear to you, I deleted that, but apparently it's still showing up in our membership. That is not available anymore. And I will go have a fight with YouTube over it. 
Um, but the four ninety nine uh, membership does get you to the watch party after the show. So I'm excited about it. I picked the episode and it's one of those that you're going to get pissed when you see what's happened here. But I think it's an important one um, because it's the kind of thing that happens a lot to women. So you'll see. That being said, oh my gosh, there's the Rex Hewerman situation is just blowing up still. But I got to tell you, my very favorite part of it of all is that his wife has already filed for divorce from this jackass. And I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, you know, I, it seems apparent from his family's reaction. They've just barely made um, a public statement today. They know this guy's a jackass. You look at his wife's face. I cannot imagine the life that she has lived with this fool. And she has already got herself an attorney and is divorcing his ass. And I really, really hope that people just leave them alone. Leave them alone. Let them figure out what they're going to do now without being bothered by people. They didn't know. It's clear they didn't know. They were not even in town when these murders were committed. The, the police have already determined that before they even arrested him. I can't imagine being his wife and knowing that my hair was on his victims. Yeah, he's married and he has two children. So they're done with him. Dropped him like a hot potato, as they well should. And yeah, he's already, the his her attorney has already filed for divorce, which I think is right. <laughs> Paula says she was just waiting for an opportunity when he couldn't stop her. Yes. Yeah, he does have a bunch of properties and they're working on searching all of them. Yeah, a property in Vegas. Yeah, and a home in the Carolinas. Yeah, there's a lot. And there's been search at the house for days now. And they found this vault in the house that was locked. I remember how we've talked about that if you have a husband or a wife that has a room in your house that is locked and you are not allowed to go in it and you don't have the key, you need to run fast and get the hell out of there. Well, that room contained two to three hundred guns. That's a lot of guns. His kids are young adults is what it appears to be from the pictures that I've seen. They look like they're young adults. Um, but what they're finding, it's terrifying, guys. It's storage units also, some storage units. And at one of the storage units they were searching, the medical examiner was there, which means body or body parts. There's thoughts he may, yeah, two to 300 guns. Um, but yeah, um, they think that maybe what's being reported is that maybe he was keeping trophies. We don't know. You know, we talked last time about, did he really stop back in 2010 or has he still been active and these bodies are just buried somewhere else. And now he has all of um, these other properties to be searched. And on the property where he was living, you know, obviously locked places where no one else could be. Yikes. So tons going on with that case. And um, 
also one just sort of weird thing because there's always weird stuff with serial killers um is that he grew up like three houses down from the amityville horror house three miles sorry not three houses down three miles from the amityville horror house you know that's the place where well you know you've seen the movie probably um and the, the 23 year old man murdered his entire family in that house in 1974. there's been lots of talk about that house having um paranormal activity and stuff like that but i mean that guy was super scary that was uh ronald defeo and uh yikes so Re uh rex Herman grew up not very far away from him which i find just yuck one more thing to be terrified of the other thing that they're searching that is going to take some time is all of the electronic devices his his wife's his children they took everything from the house and you know then of course there's all of the stuff the the movie's called the Amityville horror isn't it um uh what was i gonna say oh and and like everything related to his business there's so much and, and his burner phones there's so much digital evidence to be searched um yes i saw that too knowing that you know the house that the family was living in was pretty run down and didn't was looking pretty beat up for the home of an architect but he had these fancy houses in other places gross so I think there, we don't know what they found on his computer yet. We know some things, a lot of his Google searches, which are horrifying, um, just really not good stuff. But well, I'm sure there's way more that they're gonna find on his devices. And I'm still holding out that maybe we don't even know yet how many cases he's connected to. Because what they did when they found him, they found him through mitochondrial DNA. So then they had to take his actual DNA, run that and get it into the system. So that has now happened. And then they're going to be able to see, is he going to match up with other cases? Which I think that they are, um, that's very possible to happen at this point, given all of this. I mean, he's just the worst of the worst. He did call one of the victim's sisters. Her name's Amber. She was uh, Michelle Barthemon, Barthemily. <laughs> anyway, I'm getting it wrong. Anyway, he called her sister several times. He also called a friend um, of one of the other victims, Maureen, who is the original victim. He is not yet... He, they think that he was, she was his first victim, Maureen Brainerd Barnes. He is not charged with her murder yet. They're still investigating it. But there's a friend of hers that got a weird phone call from a man about a week or something after, maybe it was longer, um, after uh, she went missing, where he said, I know where Maureen is. She's at a whorehouse on this street. And it was scary and just freaked out just freaked him out so yeah that so we know for sure pro, well we know for sure he called one victim 
his family and maybe he called this other victim's friend the number she got the call she got from him was from an unknown number yeah right grand you know it's possible that it was a tax grab to pay less property tax by keeping the house run down it's possible too that he was just uh, trying to be invisible and not really catch a lot of attention. It may also be that he didn't think much of his family, so he didn't put much of his money into them. Uh, there's so many things. Yeah. He does have his burner and regular phones together. Yeah, I know. Not the greatest criminal. He's kind of a Lori Vallow, Chad Daybell kind of situation. But scary stuff. I'm so glad that they have a hold of him, of him now. And at least they have a hold of him and he's got no bail so that they can get through this ungodly amount of evidence that they've got to get through to find whatever else they're going to find because it's going to take some serious time. So we will keep covering Rex as things go on. Um, right. No, see, I think so too. No care for, for the family, no upkeep for them. I have questions too about the family and maybe about their religious affiliation. I'm not sure what that is, but pictures of them, the mom and the daughter are both daughters wearing a full length skirt, clear to her ankles with a full, with a sweater that goes clear to her neck and long sleeves. And mom is wearing long sleeves as well. It's weird. Like it's hot as hell, but they're not dressed like it's hot. So I don't know. I'm just curious. Mom looks pretty haggard. Um, I can only imagine the kind of abuse they have experienced. So she's Icelandic. That's right. She is. Yeah. Do I think Shannon Gilbert was a victim of his too? I don't know. I have always felt that Lisk was more than one killer, that they weren't all the same, that they're just not even close to the same MO. And they're not dumped the same. You know, there's a lot of differences. I don't really think Shannon Gilbert is, but we'll see where that comes, you know, what happens with that. They're certainly looking at all of the rest of what have been assigned as the Lisk murders. Um, but I don't know. It's just those four, they were wrapped the same. They were dumped the same. You know, there were so many similarities. And there's a bunch of other bodies that don't have those similarities that I just think, Mm, that there's probably more than one killer here. There were a lot of things going on at that time too, involving escorts and law enforcement. And there were some real um, corrupt law enforcement things that were going on at the time that some of these women went missing. And there were real questions about potential law enforcement involvement with people that I don't think are even in law enforcement anymore. Yeah, the DNA and the hairs are big, but we don't have them everywhere. Yeah, a lot more is definitely going to shake out because, you know, most of the hairs on the bodies are actually his wife's. Uh, there's only one of him. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, they did seize and tow away his brother's truck, his truck. There's vehicles. There's houses in multiple states. It's going to take forever. Um. Hey, Eternity, thanks for being here. You're here from New Zealand, so I'm glad you're here. Yeah, so we'll keep watching because a lot more is going to come up. No, no doubt about that. Okay, let's see. What else have we got? 
Oh, Derek Chauvin. You guys, the man convicted of first-degree murder of, was it first? Yeah, I think it was, of George Floyd. Um, he has been trying to get his case reviewed, his um, conviction. Oh, it was second-degree murder. Right, okay. Trying to get his uh, conviction reviewed by the Minnesota Supreme Court which just makes me sick. This guy just will not let it go. He's cannot, he murdered this man on video. We all saw the video. Like, come on, dude, let it go. Stop wasting money and resources. Ridiculous. Uh, now they're gonna appeal. So Minnesota said, no, we're not reviewing this. So now he is trying Um to get his conviction reviewed by the Supreme Court. Um, it's a long, long, long uh, shot. Apparently, according to Court TV, that the Supreme Court hears between 100 and 150 appeals of more than 7,000 cases it's asked to review every year. So it's very likely that um, that won't, it will never get there. I just, the gall of this man, you know? He's been convicted in Minnesota and he's been convicted federally of a hate crime. Um, right, <laughs> yeah, he says, I hope they review it and make a sentence worse, right? Dude, get over it. You're in prison. You're not getting out. You did this. We all know you did this. It's just gross. So yeah, entitled white male behavior. It really is, I mean, to have, that much ego now after everything after the convictions in state and federal court like come on so yes he is a vile human makes me sick to think that he's still fighting this like thinking that kneeling on someone like that until they die is not murder pretty sure 100 percent positive that it is so i hope you have the day you deserve derek chauvin there is a hearing tomorrow for Chad Daybell. Um, I don't think it's being streamed. We are not going to make it in person. It's not a really big deal. It is, they, his defense have filed requesting um, the transcripts of Lori's trial. They want um, to see, you know, the transcripts. So we think that that that's what it's going to include is they want to see the transcripts and the exhibits from her trial. And we'll see how much they let him see and how much they don't. I, I would imagine he gets to see some of it and not all of it. So it's not too big of a deal. We'll keep you updated on it, but it's, you know, it's just procedural kinds of stuff that kind of stuff that's going to happen leading up to his trial, unless it's a, it's an important um, issue, we won't go. But if it is an important one, we will. The evidence did point more to Chad than to Lori. It sure did. Um, you know, his attorney attended that trial. It's not as though he doesn't know, but you know, I'm sure he's asking for a jump drive with all of it on there. And then he's going to ask for it about 10 more times. 
if we know John Pryor like we do, because that's what he's done all the way through. That he's been such a pain in the butt with the getting the discovery like from the initial grand jury. Um, and he's just sort of continuing it here. So we'll see, but I think likely he'll get some of it, but probably not all of it. And we'll see. Right, Sarah, the political repercussions of the Supreme Court reversing Chauvin's uh, conviction would be truly violent, right? It would be hideous, absolutely hideous. I don't think they'll do it. I don't think they'll, they'll, they'll even agree to review it. Yeah. Thank you. You're all saying you really like this color on me. Note to self, get more of this color. Um, <laughs> Amy, I hope he gets to read that part that, that Archibald bashes him. Yeah. Where he refers to his stupid books and about how he's not near as good looking or fit or makes near or made anywhere near the money of Charles Vallow. <laughs> the really one of the only times that Lori cried in that trial, <laughs> that part. Chad can get the death penalty. Yes, it is still attached in his case. So I'm sure there's going to be some fights over evidentiary stuff. We've had that DNA that Pryor has insisted upon, but we don't know if he's actually ever gotten it processed because it sounded like he was going to have to pay for it. And I don't know if that was going to happen. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with this. Yeah, the voluminous jump drive, right? His stupid books. It was so funny. Oh, I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. But yeah, at this point, he can still get the the death penalty. Um, you know, that the the evidentiary problem, the um discovery problem did not apply in his case because he had waived his right to speedy trial. Oh, cranky. God, I hope not. Lifetime movie, Prior and the Storm. Can you imagine with just Chad, how he looks in court? Y'all know I can do it. Resting toad face. Just like that. That should be the cover, you know, the poster of that movie. Because, uh, yeah, he looks like a real storm, doesn't he? Yes. Um, there's been a battle with Tammy Daybell's aunt, Vicky. She wanted to do a victim impact statement. She was initially denied. Um, and now voices kind of come around and is going to let her do one. So she's she's been out there getting interviewed and talking a little bit publicly because she's really angry that, um, you know, how little representation Tammy has received. And, and it is absolutely true. I mean, her children didn't even attend that trial. So she had family that was there. And, of course, her sister who spoke on her behalf. But they need more. I agree. Yeah, nobody wants to see that movie poster prior in the storm, although it would be a comedy, whether anyone else thought it or not. I We know it would be a comedy, right? Yeah, find an actor that makes resting toad face. They do. Yeah, so she's going to get to speak, so that's good. So, yeah, we are running right up to the July 31st deadline um, in which we will get to see her sentencing. I can't believe it's almost time. It's amazing. Right? Kresha um, is not getting to give an impact statement. Kresha, uh, who is uh, a, an aunt or a cousin to JJ. Anyway, yeah. Right. Tammy's kids are victims. It does puzzle me too. 
I'm sure that it had everything to do with his defense attorney's recommendations. Right? Love to hear from Tammy's children. <laughs> They're saying nothing even after the conviction. Um, I, I can't imagine anything less eternity. I can't imagine anything less than life without parole. Uh, it will be very aunt. Thank you, Lindsay. I always get messed up because of the uh, the adoption in that family. Anyway, I get confused about who's how they're related. But yes, JJ's aunt. Uh, Kresha is not being able to speak uh, for JJ, but Kay does get to speak. Yeah, waiting until tra Trad's trial is over. I think you're right. No, that, that's exactly what they're doing. They're going to hold off. We don't know. His kids have not said a thing. I'm very curious to see if any of them show up to her sentencing. Because, I mean, most of them still live in this area. So it wouldn't be far for them to go to attend it. We'll certainly let you know if they do. But it seems like they're being instructed to just sit back until their dad's case is over. So he should plea. I agree. I think he should plea. Get it over with. I know Annie can't speak for Tylee. I don't think Annie actually asked. Annie has kind of pulled back. She's. I think she, Annie has been really hurt by all of this, and there was only so much she could take. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, we'll keep you updated on what happens in court with Chad. Let's see. Oh, yeah. So one more thing about um, Rex Hewerman. He only asked the police one thing when they arrested him. And it wasn't, is my family okay? Will you let them know? No, it was, is it in the news? Is it in the news? Jesus. Typical serial killer, right? Right, Caitlin, I feel exactly the same way. If my dad killed my mom like that, I'd turn on him so fast and beg for the judge for the death penalty. Right. I agree. I agree. That's not what we're seeing here, unfortunately. Uh, let's see. Oh, in a very interesting uh, turn of events, a case we have not talked about or thought about in a very long time, is the uh, unsolved murder of Tupac Shakur. Uh, he was killed in a drive-by shooting on the 25th of September in 1996. He was 25 at the time. And um, a search warrant was served last week in connection with, the, with his murder. So very interesting. Um, the search warrant was uh, executed executed in a city in the city of Henderson, which is just on the edge of Las Vegas. Uh, they won't provide any further information than that. There's no statute of lim lim limitations on murder in uh, Nevada. So if they find something, they can certainly charge and prosecute somebody. So this was in Henderson that they served a search warrant. And that's all we know. At this point, um, officials are keeping that very quiet other than to know that it happened. So super interesting. Um, wouldn't it be cool if they solved Tupac's murder after all this time? I think it would be. Yes, Alyssa Turney's siblings have put out a statement on her podcast. 
She's put out some statements on Twitter. Everybody is just sick that Michael Turney has been acquitted. And it's over. He's been acquitted. He cannot be tried again. That would be double jeopardy. So we'll see where Sarah goes from here. I'm sure that she needs some time and the rest of the family needs some time. Uh, but I did see what she's been putting out and it's just, right, if they find Tupac's murderer, then they will find Biggie's. I agree because they've always thought those two were connected in some way and all of the theories could be put to rest, right? Wouldn't it be good to know what happened? I would imagine there are many people who love both those men who would really like to know. So I hope they figure it out. What else have I got for you? Oh, I was so sorry to see that there was a shooting in Auckland. Uh, today, well, tomorrow, but today for us, the world, the women's world cup opening match was, is just about to happen. And there was a man who, um, he entered, he got into a construction site um, and, and he started shooting. There were six people injured. Um, and he then, they believe he, he um, kind of got cornered into a, in an elevator and then his gun was fired and he shot himself is what's believed. I have to tell you though, the gun that he had was a pump action shotgun. This was in New Zealand, in Auckland, New Zealand. Now, it was a pump action shotgun. Do you guys know what a pump action is? It's got to be pumped to shoot it, right? Um, here's the interesting thing about that. Right. You haven't had a mass shooting since the mosque incident. I know. That's, I'm just really sad for Auckland because, because you guys have done everything you possibly can to prevent shootings, unlike here. But right, every shot has to be deliberate. They're not near as accurate. And you got to pump them in between shots. But guess what would have happened if he had a semi-automatic rifle, like we always seem to see our shootings here have? He didn't, it's not that he didn't do any damage, because he did, and he shot six people. And he's dead. And some, so it's terrible. But I just think about in the time that he managed to get off six shots with that gun, what could have happened if he'd had a semi-automatic rifle? Because it would have been a hell of a lot worse. It's just another reason why we got to get rid of those damn guns. Oh, I agree, Emily. 3D printed guns already are a real threat. As common as 3D printers are becoming for people where they literally can print their own gun. That is something we definitely have to be concerned about. But right, no, it could be, it could have been 20 times worse at least. So our hearts definitely are with the people of Auckland and, and everybody who, you know, experienced this experience and were injured and the town there and just all of the people there for the Women's World Cup, I mean, awful. But it it's an interesting comparison to make 
what that could have been. Yeah. All right, let's see, what else have we got? Oh, you guys, this is so terrible. So a transgender man in a wheelchair uh, was shot um, on Saturday in Pontiac, Michigan. So he was in his wheelchair. He was going to the gas station. So he was using his wheelchair. He was outside. Um, he was shot with a pellet gun while people were screaming anti-transgender slurs at him. I mean, thank God it wasn't a real gun. He's injured, but he's going to be okay. But what, I mean, what the fuck is with people, you know? Like, you can't just leave people alone? So, I hope that he gets all of the help that he needs and healed up. But I can't imagine living in a wheelchair, being afraid of going out. Um, I'd be afraid. Wouldn't it be scary to go out at that time? You know, anytime after that, thinking that might happen again, just for living his life. When you shoot somebody in a wheelchair, like just special bullshit for you. I'm pulling up Jean Benet, um, Colleen. I had actually forgotten to pull up the Jean Benet um, update before. Uh, so thank you for reminding me of that. So there is a little bit of news in Jean Benet. And we know. Uh oh. Something just happened. Won't let me see that. We know that there's been some fights over trying to rerun that DNA. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. But Gary Oliva, who is a person who has been a person of interest in this case, um, apparently he admitted to having an obsession with Jean Benet and um, and killing Jean Benet. That he wrote some letters to a former classmate, and those things are just becoming that stuff's just kind of becoming public now. Um, he's been a suspect before. We don't know if this really is going to change anything or not. Um, maybe it will, but you know, we also know that serial killers love nothing more or murderers in general love nothing more if they're already in prison to, uh, admit to things they didn't do. So we don't know, but that is something that is going to be reviewed and, and looked at a little more deeply. So let's hope that something comes from that. Was there something on the Krebley case in Michigan? I don't know, but I'll check. I hadn't seen anything other than them just doing a lot of complaining um, about how it's not fair that they are charged with this crime to begin with, which whatever. Um, let's see. Well, there's some stuff about Ethan himself. He, um, he has asked to have his, um, sentence dismissed 
Remember, Ethan pled guilty. And he um, he wants that to not be the case anymore, which I really hope that the judge is not going to let him do that. He, but he would like his life without parole sentence dismissed. I mean, wouldn't anyone who has life without parole? Uh, let's see. Oh, he's trying to wear street clothes to a, to, there's a, a hearing called a Miller hearing coming up for him. He wants to wear street clothes to that hearing. And he wants to keep witnesses of the shooting from testifying at that hearing, which that seems very off. So the Miller hearing will consist of, they'll consider his age along with the evidence against him and to determine if he should be um, sentenced to life without parole. There were a lot of questions, um, but those, those requests have all been denied. The hearing is still happening. It's happening on the 27th of this month, um, but he didn't get any of his requests. He will not be able to wear street clothes. He can't get the witnesses, um, can't keep him from testifying, you know, any of the things that he wanted. He also wanted, um, there's somewhere else that he's been trying to get pictures of some of his victims, which he is one gross little dude. Yeah, Ethan Crumbly. Sorry. Sorry. Um, we did talk about Carly at the beginning. Basically, Kaylin, we're just not going to talk about it much right now. I still think we don't know the whole story. And until we do, I don't want to add to the tromping on of that girl until we really know. Let's see. Yeah, like Kay and Larry, yeah, like Lori not wanting Kay and Larry at the trial. Exactly. So there is some stuff going on there with Ethan. Um, we'll see what that hearing, because there's been a lot of debate about whether or not um, a 15-year-old a can be sentenced to life without parole. Oh, that's right. The other thing is he, he didn't want um, any of, there's a video of him torturing a bird, and he didn't want images of his victim's bodies in court either. That's all been denied. He doesn't. He, he still thinks he's in charge here, which he clearly isn't. Um, I don't see anything on the Crumbly parents. So if any of you know something on the Crumbly parents, let me know. But I'm not seeing anything there. This is just about him and his request um, to have his sentence evaluated. Uh, let's see. Oh, our favorite uh, Scottish fugitive, uh, Nick Alaverdian or Nick Ro Nicholas Rossi. Um, so Nicholas Rossi, his stepdad, David Rossi has, uh, stepped forward to talk a bit about our, uh, favorite FOS list, um, attendee, uh, Nick Alaverdian. Um, I'm just going to say right now that David Rossi is a real piece of work. Um, he fully believes that, uh, Nick Alaverdian in Scotland is his stepson. He doesn't doubt for a moment that he isn't. Um, although Nick's mother still believes he's dead. Doesn't believe that this is him. 
believes that the fake death was uh, real. Stepdad says he has never believed that the fake death was real. He says he was evil from day one. He was wicked. If I could afford it, I'd fly over and tell him at his door. Are you saying you don't know me? He also talked about beating Nick as a child. Um, he said what he'd do if he saw him. I'd thump him. I'd give him a beating. He deserves it for what he's putting everyone through. Then I'd say, now do you remember me? Cut the bullshit. Tell everyone who you really are. That's my son. I'm ashamed to say, but that's my son. I'd stake my life on it. Um, he did also talk about beating Nick when he was a kid. Uh, he said that Nick was really, really difficult to handle. And that sometimes that was the only thing he knew to do, which is not okay. Um, he also said he's the most manipulative person I've ever known. Uh, he believes that the wheelchair, the oxygen mask, and all of it are fake. Um, he said he's doing it for sympathy, and I can't believe they let him out on bail because of this act. Right? <laughs> Me either. Um, let's see. So David, oh yeah, David. Okay, so David Rossi traveled the world as an Engelbert Humperdinck impersonator. Engelbert Humperdinck being a British singer, that he, his career was as an Engelbert Humperdinck impersonator. And that's how he met Nick's mother in 1994. She uh, saw him performing in a bar and she was working there as a waitress. So she already had three children. Um, Nick's birth father is Jack Alaverdian, and Nick was eight at the time that his mother married David Rossi. He said, when I tell you they destroyed my apartment, they were like terrorists. <laughs> I guess uh, Nick's mother said, this is why I don't get involved. <laughs> and she said, and he said, what do you do to control these kids? And she said, medications and just keep them in the house. Good Lord. Uh, they were only married until 2002. Remember, um, he uh, took out some, uh, Nick took out some credit cards in David's name and ran up a bunch of, um, a bunch of debt, which is one of the things that he's charged with in the U.S. Um, I guess they had a big um, blowout and he basically kicked Nick out and, and hasn't seen him since. So we're still waiting on the results of the extradition hearing that those are supposed to be out any day, but um, the Scottish sheriff is really taking his time on that one. Um, no, he didn't change his name to Engelbert Humperdinck. He impersonated him. Like Engelbert Humperdinck was a singer in England and he was an impersonator. So, you know, like they're Elvis impersonators. He was an Engelbert Humperdinck impersonator. That's what David Rossi did for a living for a long time. Uh, thanks, Eternity, uh, for being here. Got to go back to work. Okay. So, I don't know. I mean, the interview with David Rossi, I think, is a pretty good window into uh, his growing up, which probably answers a few things at least. Let's see.
what else have I got here? Oh, well, remember back when we used to talk about the uh, Murdoch case at every show? If you remember, when Paul Murdoch was murdered, he was um, in the midst of an investigation for the death of a girl named Mallory Beach. She died in 2019 in a boat crash involving Paul Murdoch. He was driving and was accused of drinking heavily while he was driving the boat. Well, um, that case has finally been settled and her family has settled a wrongful death lawsuit against basically Paul's estate at this point uh, for $15 million. Um, wait a minute. No, that was not from Paul's estate. That was from the convenience store that sold Paul the alcohol. I'm sorry. I think there is still a, I think there's still a lawsuit against Paul's estate, but this is actually against the uh, convenience store owner who sold the alcohol to Paul, who was underage at the time. So at least Mallory's family is getting a little bit something. Yes, Engelbert's real name is Arnold George Dorsey. Right, right. But he, he was a singer and he went by Engelbert Humperdinck. I, I don't really know why. I don't know a lot about him. Um, only to think that that is a really interesting name. Really, really interesting name. Uh, let's see. Oh, we had, we talked last week about Michael Burham. He was an inmate at a Pennsylvania prison who escaped last week. And he has been caught thanks to a dog. Uh, he was in kind of a wooded area and their dog was barking, uh, kind of set off the alarm that there was a stranger out there and didn't think that they were some, that they should be there. And uh, a property owner actually saw him. Uh, he was wearing his prison clothes inside out. They, they actually, the neighbors, the people whose dog was barking, they actually went out and confronted him. And he said he was just out camping. But they recognized him because, of course, his picture had been all over the news because he was on the run. Um, they used dogs to track him. Um, and they tracked him and caught him pretty easily. Apparently, he was really worn out and tired at this point. So he, um, they put him in an isolation cell at the Warren County Jail. And I'm sure he's being transferred back to the prison where he was. Um, you know, nobody wanted anybody getting hurt by this fool and, and nobody did. And great on that, uh, great on that dog, right? Right. We should all change our screen names, <laughs> right? We should. I don't think it'll be Engelbert Humperdinck though. Yeah, right? <laughs> Why not go by Arnold rather than Engelbert Humperdinck? I don't know. I'm sure there's a story there. I just haven't had a chance to look it up. Yeah, he does look like absolute crap. The, the guy that was on the run, he does. The pictures of him when they caught him, he looks like crap. He's probably was in some ways relieved because he was on the run with basically nothing. And yeah, he looked like he was probably just ready to go back to jail. And so, yeah, I know what a name, right? 
Yeah, Humperdinck. I know. I yeah, I love Princess Bride too. It makes me think of that as well. But I, I wish I knew like the story behind why is he called that? I don't know. There you go, Noe. Noe's gonna look it up for us. Let us know. Comment on this video and tell us because I don't know. I, I've always wondered that. Well, that's everything I have for you tonight. We will be back at 815 Mountain for the watch party. If you want to join us, we would love to have you. It's going to be a lot of fun. Remember, we're on Netflix. We're watching Cold Case Files. It's season two, episode Devil in Disguise. It's about 45 minutes long. So you will be watching on your Netflix. And then you can open the live stream on our YouTube channel that's available only for members. And we'll be able to chat in uh, in that live stream about the show as we watch it. And you're, you're going to have definitely some things to say, I promise. Because I watched this episode the other day. I picked it. And I was furious by the time it was over. But it's a good one, too. Uh, Engelbert Humperdinck was very popular. But, oh, you can't remember what he's saying? I See, I can't think of anything that I... I knew that I know of either, but anyway. All right. So those of you that are going to make it, I will see you over there. Um, but uh, if not, we'll be back next week with all of our usual content. We are very excited uh, about that. And, you know, just it's nice to kind of get some energy back around it again. I think we wore out pretty hardcore after Lori Vallow's trial. We're back. We're doing this, you know. Oh, no. Basically, Arnold was a popular person wasn't a popular person so google said this borrowed from the 19th century german composer of operas such as hansel and gretel okay now see i did know about that engelbert humperdinck but i didn't know about the singer so he wasn't popular until the name changed how interesting well thank you noe for looking that up i really appreciate it thank you all for joining us and we'll see you either over in the line in the next live stream or we'll see you next week. You know it. We are the True Crime Squad. Thanks for being here, everybody.